we live in, social media is just about everywhere that you turn. And um, let's see, without taking a stand one way or the other, I'll just say that Christians have about as loud of a voice as any other group on social media. And one side effect of that is you see things constantly, and you see them so much that you just get used to it. I see a banner that says God is good. All right, I know that's true. Check. Good. Or I see a banner that says, pray for me. And okay, we'll pray for you. But if you're not careful, you just get kind of swept away into all that and say, well, it's just kind of another fad or another thing that we do as Christians. But if you stop just for a minute, long enough to think about the words that you're reading or the things that, that you're saying or typing or whatever it is, and you let it get into your spirit and you say, that's true. God is good. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. This day. And tomorrow, if I post it, it's true then. That is the day. But I don't want to get so just eased into a mindset that says, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wake up and I'm going to post something and I'm going to go about my day and not even give second thought to, did I, what did I say? Did I post something? Did I share something? Or, <laughs> I'm not against that. I'm just saying let it be a part of who you are and your witness and your testimony in every facet of life. Amen. I'm, try, I'm not trying to preach. I'm going to invite Elder up here, and he's going to do that. Amen. Why don't we just pray where you're seated there? Jesus, we love you. God, we praise you. God, we thank you for making this day. God, we thank you for ordaining this time. Jesus, and for bringing every person here, every life, God. Jesus, we thank you in advance for the works that you're still yet to do today. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for your anointing. Jesus, we pray, have your way in our midst today. God, we pray for our children in their classrooms today. The teachers, God, your anointing rest on them and your word spoken to them today. Let there be a love for you developed in every heart, Jesus. God, in your name, we give you praise and glory. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, Elder. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. I'm thankful for the richness of His Spirit that is already here. And the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. It's good to have you in the house of the Lord today. If you're a guest, welcome. If you've been here more than once, you're not a guest. We just missed you between times. We're glad you're in the house of the Lord today. Welcome. We've come for a single purpose. It's to lift him up and get in tune with what he desires. With what he desires. Scripture said Jesus was talking to the woman at the well and he made this statement. He said, and I'm, I may not get it exactly verbatim, but we'll get the essence of what he said he made this statement, he said to her, he said, the time or the hour cometh and now is when the father seeketh such to worship him. 
And they that worship him must, strong words, these are Jesus' words. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is what I want to talk about today, but it was quickened to my spirit while we were lifting up the Lord a few moments ago. There is a dramatic difference between praise and worship. We can, pr anyone can praise. Anyone can praise. Jesus said to those when he came riding into town on a colt, he made the statement, he said, if you don't praise me, if these stop praising me, he said, even the rocks will cry out. The psalmist told us that even the elements praise him. There is a difference between praise and worship. The reason anyone can praise is because praise is usually something that's rooted in our soul. Praise is an a product of our feeling, our emotion, our senses. And so that's why we can begin to play and sing praises unto the Lord. And that's why we can get caught up in the, and we should, in the presence of the Lord and lifting our hands and lifting our voice. But we can do that and never move past praise into worship. It's why some people really just enjoy the singing and they don't care so much about all the preaching and stuff, but they really like the singing and go, man, why don't we keep doing that? I mean, when they're singing, I can feel the presence of God and maybe tears run down my face or I feel the joy of the Lord. What is that? That's praise and it's in your emotion, in your sense, in your feeling, the soul, the soul. But you can't worship with your soul. Worship comes from the spirit. Worship is from a deeper place in you and I. They that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. Praise is, that's why you can find praise throughout the Old Testament. You can find worship there too. But worship isn't a lifting of hands, though it can be. Worship itself describes being prostrate before the Lord on my face, laying my own life down in reverence and honor to Him. That's why many never move past praise. I'm enjoying what I feel. But I don't want to lay myself down in his presence. I want to enter into worship, don't you? I want to enter into worship. I feel the beckoning and the drawing of the Spirit of God today. I appreciate the sensitivity of those leading us in worship today. The choice of songs, I don't think any of it's coincidence or accident. I believe God is leading us. And if we come with an open spirit... From the outset, we feel him drawing us into what he wants to do. The song says, let your kingdom come. We've said this before, but I'll say it again. His kingdom cannot come as long as my kingdom is standing. The Lord will not share his kingdom with another. He's either the king or he isn't. We don't get to say, you be my king, but I still want to rule my life. Doesn't work that way. 
That means he's not king. King is supreme authority. You understand? If I'm praying for his kingdom to come, but I'm still ruling my life, I'm describing who's really the king. And what I'm really saying is, I want the presence of the king. I just don't want the rule and reign of the king. I'd like his presence in my life. I'd like, I'd like the proximity to the king so that, you know, heaven forbid, if I'm living my own life, but the trumpet sounds, maybe the king could grab me and take me with him, even though I'm not subject to the king, I'm ruling my own life. I don't want to be deceived and settle for the presence of the king, but not give the king rule, reign, and authority in my life. I want him to have absolute authority in my life. He's a good king. He's a good king. When he rules and reigns in my life, you know what he does? He rules and reigns in a manner that he does what's best for me. When he asks something of me, it's because he sees farther than I do. And the decisions he's trying to influence in my life as the king and the authority in my life is for my good. He sees further than I do. He knows if I make my own choices, I don't see as far as he does. And left to my own devices, I'm going to make a mess of my life. That's why he said, if you'll lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. He's a good king. He's a good king. Then we sang that song. We're going somewhere. Just stay with me. I'm not just talking about the songs today. Then we sang that song, be exalted, be exalted, be exalted. You understand, he cannot be exalted as long as I'm still exalting myself. For him to be exalted, I have to be abased. It's what John the Baptist said, he must increase. And in order for that to happen, I must decrease. I can sing, I exalt you, but if I, I can only exalt him so far if I'm still ruling on the throne of my heart. If I'm still calling the shots in my life and not letting him, I'm not really exalting him. I'm just trying to elevate him a little bit in my life. You know why sometimes you really struggle in your walk with God? It's because you haven't settled this who's the king issue yet. Who's in control? You say, well, is God a dictator? No. If he was a dictator, he would just take control of your life. But he's not a dictator. He's a good king that says, I'll rule and reign your life, but only when you give me control. And the wrestling that goes on is me not wanting to give up control. Because, of course, I can make better decisions than he can for my life. That was sarcasm in case you missed it. The Holy Ghost really wants to help us today. In a great way. And how we respond to him and his word today. Could determine our eternal destiny. I feel that strongly about his word. The book of Genesis chapter 49. 
It's an interesting chapter. Genesis 49 is where we find Jacob, just before he dies, speaking to his 12 sons and his two grandsons because he speaks to Manasseh and Ephraim, the sons of Joseph as well. And it's called Jacob blessing. It was very much a a pattern we find in the Old Testament of a patriarch on their deathbed or near death declaring blessing into their lives of their children or speaking things that were prophetic into their life of their children and over the lives of their children. And that's what we find in Genesis chapter 49 when Jacob is about to pass. And I want us to read here my my eldest son and I were visiting on Friday on our drive and before he flew out early yesterday morning. And the Lord had been dealing with me for a couple of three days and I was talking to him about the things God was dealing with me about. And he began to talk to me about the things God was dealing with him about and they were two different things. But they intersected for us both at this verse. And the Lord's still talking to him about other stuff and still talking to me about other stuff. But they intersected here. And uh, so this is where we're going to start. I appreciated when he simply mentioned this verse to me. It leapt in my spirit. Aren't you thankful for spiritual fellowship? Aren't you thankful for spiritual fellowship? That's why we fellowship with people that are filled with the Holy Ghost and that have a prayer life and spend time in the Word. Genesis 49, let's start with verse 5, just so we understand where the writer was coming, or where Jacob was, who he was speaking to. He's speaking to two of his sons at the same time. Simeon and Levi are brethren, instruments of cruelty. Wow. Are in their habitations or where they live. So he's talking to Simeon and Levi. Verse number 6. Oh, my soul. Come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly, mine honor. Be not thou united. Now hear, hear what Jacob's saying. My soul, the seed of emotion, feeling, passion, don't come into their secret. Don't come to where they assemble together. Mine honor, don't be united with them. This is what he's saying. And here's why Jacob said that. Watch that after the colon, this is why he said that. For in their anger, what did they do? They slew a man. And I want you to notice this last line. And in their self-will, everybody say self-will. In their self-will, they digged down a wall. In their self-will, they digged down a wall. Would you pray with me again? And however you say it, you say it, but would you honestly with me talk to the Lord and ask Him to reach into our spirits by His Word today? In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, it is certain that we can do nothing without You, but with You all things are possible. I pray this day by your word and by your spirit, reach into our spirit. 
Let there be an opening of our lives unto you. For all things are open and naked before you with whom we have to do. So I ask you, Father, reach in by your word into our spirit. Let your word come in love, appealing to us according to your desire and your design. And accomplishing what you send it to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray and I thank you. And I praise you in Jesus' name. It's an interesting passage of scripture here. This is the only place where we actually find the word translated this way, self-will. This one word, self-will. In their self-will, they dig down a wall. In their self-will, they removed themselves from the purpose for their life. Their self-will, and we'll dig into that a little more here in a moment, but there's something about self-will that causes you and I to remove things from our lives that should have never been removed. Something about self-will that causes things to be broken that no longer operate the way God intended them to operate in our lives. Self-will has a way of tearing down and digging down and cutting off things that God intended to be there for purpose, that God intended to be there for our own protection, that God intended to be there by His design and His calling on our life. But self-will, self-will causes those things to be stripped away. Self-will causes their effectiveness to be lost. Self-will will cause you and I to be lost. Self-will is not a casual thing. Self-will, we live in a day and an hour that says, if it feels good, do it. Hear me, those words are from the pit of hell. Self-will will destroy you. Self-will will destroy me. Self-will will cause us to get on a path that is broad and leads to destruction. Self-will is not your friend. See, you and I grow up in this world and we hear things like saying, come on, you're a man, you can make your own decisions. Come on, you're an adult now. Who has the right to tell you what to do and what it is? It's a subtlety of rebellion planted in our heart that says, I'll rule my own life. I'll do what I want to do. I'll live like I want to live. I don't answer to anyone. And God reaches and rescues us to save us from our self-will. But if I'm not careful, I'll begin living for him and I'll fall into this pattern of living according to my own will, even though I call myself a child of God. We've all witnessed it if we've ever been or had teenagers in our life. Some of you grin because you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm not picking on teenagers. If you're not a teenager, you'll be one or you've been one. And so we can all relate to this. There's something that happens in our natural life. Why does it happen with teenagers? Because there's this transition between childhood and adulthood. And it's this wrestling between am I going to do what my father says or am I going to do what I want? Am I going to do what the authority in my life says or am I going to do what I want? That's called teenager in the natural. 
sort of funny, but it's true. Why is that? Because there's a finding of self. There's a finding of direction. There's a finding of who's the authority in my life. It's called teenager in the natural. So if you're a teenager and you battle with that stuff, nothing's wrong with you. That's life. You just make sure you choose the right side. Make sure you choose to still honor your father and your mother. That your days may be long upon the earth. Make sure you choose, even in the wrestling while you're finding your way, that you seek wise counsel of a father and of a mother. Don't go your own way, young man or young lady. That's a spirit of rebellion. And what is it? It's natural that you're wrestling with it because you're coming into this place between childhood and adulthood. How much more in the spiritual... Why do you think that happens? Somebody comes a new babe to Christ. They're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Their sins are washed away. They're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. And they start living this life. And man, they can hear a word of God and they respond in a moment. The Bible says, man, I feel, I agree. And they, they change this in their life by the grace of God working in them. And these changes start being made in their life. Not because of some list of rules, but because of the Spirit of God dwelling in them. And their desire to please their father and so they're responding to that right like a young child responding to their father wanting to please him like Samuel responding to brother Reuben he just wants dad to be happy with him so he doesn't try to rebel at five or six I mean sure they still got a little brat in them we all did when we were little I'm not speaking of Sammy and any child that was come on they got but as a whole when they're a small child they want to please dad I remember watching my boys when they were little they would do things and they would show me the same thing over and over, whether it would be throwing a baseball or hitting something or and my girl doing the, whatever it was. They, they, what were they doing? They were wanting to please their father. There wasn't rebellion in their heart. Oh, there was a little stubbornness that had to be worked out with, you know, a good hand to the backside a few times along the way. But that was stubbornness. It wasn't rebellion. It was just stubbornness. It was getting, helping them learn how to grow. And, but when they got to those teenage years, every one of them, Every one of them, I could feel it. There was this pressing against dad. This, and there was really a pressing against mom. You know why that is, don't you? Because a child, when they're young, is raised and nurtured by mom. Mom loves on them, dotes on them, tells them how wonderful they are. Dad whips their backside and tells them they better get it straight. And so they run to mom, and mom hugs them, and they cry on mom's shoulder. And mom says, well, you know, your dad loves you. And she consoles and encourages, and, and, and dad's always the bad guy. He's not really the bad guy. It's God's design. There's a, there's a nurturing mother and there's a dis disciplining father whom he loves, he chastens, he corrects. But there comes a point in that child's life. We're really going a different way than I thought, but we'll get there. There comes a point in that child's life in those teenage years where, you know what, they start, I re man, I am, God forgive me, and he has. I remember when I got to a point my mom couldn't handle me anymore. I mean, I wasn't like outright just, and that's not a justification. You understand a little rebellion is just as bad as a lot of rebellion. 
I'd talk back to my mom, Brother Lewis. What was I thinking? And in hindsight, I realize it must have hurt her so deeply to hear me say things to her in negativity. Cutting words at times. Sassy mouth. Just. You know what mom would say that could get me in line in a moment, Sister Jester? You, that's ex- you're exactly right. I'll just talk to your dad when he gets home. Oh, precious Lord, I prayed then. If I didn't pray any other time, Brother Jester. Oh, mom. I wasn't praying to God. I was praying to mom. Oh, mom, please. Why? Because I knew the book of Proverbs. Foolishness is in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Something in our human nature that wants to set our own direction, set our own way, set our own path. And we understand that in the natural. We talk about a teenager. And and hopefully a loving, balanced Mom and dad, that's why we need a mom and dad working together in a home. That's why I have great admiration for these single moms that work and have God aiding them to come along and do these things. But this loving, balanced relationship, it gets to the point where when they cross into that rebellious stage, it's like, all right, mom, I'll take it from here. You keep loving on them and doting on them. And you tell me how hard I'm being on them, but that's all right. I'm going to keep being hard because this young boy is becoming a young man. And he's not going to learn to be a young man by a mom that just tells him it's okay and loves him and pats his back. He's going to learn to be a young man by a dad that tells him, nobody straighten up, get it right, get to work, do it, finish, whatever, right? You understand? That's, it happens. A mom struggles to do that. Does that mean something's wrong with mom? No, that's not a mom's nature. It's not a mom's nature. Mom just wants to love. Now, mom has to do that sometimes, and I've I've seen a mom do that before. But it's that human nature in the heart of a child that is trying to determine, am I going to go according to my own self-will? Or am I still going to acknowledge the authority of the Father in my life? Jacob spoke of this in Simeon and Levi's heart. He said in their self-will. They did something that took them from their purpose. It's interesting to me in Scripture. If you search and you... Look in the New Testament. This element of doing what I want is really referred to by the word iniquity. Iniquity. When I do my will rather than what my father wills, that's iniquity. I'm choosing my way rather than his way. Don't raise your hand. Don't even nod your head. You don't, I know the answer because you're as human as I am. You ever been getting ready to engage in something and you had this thought pass through your mind? You know, you probably just shouldn't do that. 
And, and you knew you probably shouldn't do it based on just the word of God or your relationship with God. Or maybe you were getting ready to watch a YouTube video on your phone and you thought, I don't need that. But you just sort of ignored that thought and went on. That's self-will. That's iniquity. I chose to do my will rather than yield to the will of God. That's self-will. Or, well, we can all relate to this one. Some words came into your mouth that you knew. I probably shouldn't say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Before you caught yourself, those words came out. And after you said it, you thought, oh, I wish I could take those words back. What was that moment before you said it that you thought I probably shouldn't? I'm going to submit to you if you're filled with the Holy Ghost. That was the prompting of the Lord seeking to protect you from yourself. But when you gave in to self-will, you tore down something that was there to protect you. Iniquity. Iniquity. As a child of God, I choose to obey Him or I choose to do my own thing. You say, well, how often does this matter? Let me ask you the question, how often does this matter? Is it only on Sundays and Wednesdays that I'm supposed to respond to him and the rest of the week I can do what I want? Because, I mean, after all, it's my life. Well, according to the scriptures that I read, it's not my life. It belongs to him. Right? Isn't that what Paul said in a couple of places? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? What? Know ye not? You've been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. If you call him redeemer, that means he purchased you and redeemed you. That means you and I belong to him. We no longer belong to ourselves. Therefore, we must glorify him in our body and in our spirit, which are his. If my body and my spirit do not glorify him, it's a pretty good indicator that I'm living according to self-will. My body... And my spirit. You hear that? My body and my spirit glorify him. If they're not. If I'm making choices of my own. That I know he is not making in my life. I am living according to iniquity. Iniquity is abounding in my life when I'm living. I wish I could stand here before you today and say, you know what? I'm free from that. I'm as human as you. And I have to choose every day. Am I going to live according to my self-will? Or am I going to live according to the will of God? And hear me, the longer and longer I yield to self-will, the harder it gets to yield to His will. That's how people go from spiritual influence to spiritual possession. They yielded to negative spiritual influence in their life and kept giving self-will over to that negative influence. And it went from their self-will to the, they finally just completely opened up to that spiritual influence in their life. And they could no longer control it any longer because they were so given over to self-will rather than the will of God. And so that spiritual influence had access whenever it wanted because of iniquity. Self-will. Oh, you say, I got control over this. I can manage this. 
No, you can't. What starts so subtle in my own will, if it's given room, it begins to take root. And it begins to go deeper and it takes root until I no longer realize I'm giving in to my own will because it's such a part of me now. It's rooted. I was out here yesterday and I had this swinging blade. I was going to swing and knock down some of these weeds that were out there. And I got ready. Honest to goodness, I carried the swinging blade out there. I got over there, Brother Flowers, and I was getting ready, and I stopped. I'm like, why would you do this? You just did this a few months ago with some other men, and they're back. I threw the swinging blade on the ground. For the next two and a half hours, this isn't some boasting, bragging thing about, don't misunderstand. The Lord was dealing with me. For the next two and a half hours, I started grabbing those weeds. And I was digging around at the base. I was like, I'm tired of this thing coming back. And if I want it to stop coming back, I'm not just cutting off the top so it looks good. I'm getting a hold of this root, Brother Martin. And I'm getting this thing out of the ground. And if I get it out of the ground, it won't come back. And so for two and a half hours... And there's still some out there, so if you get motivated. And for two and a half hours, I was pulling. My, my hamstrings are hurting this morning. And, but, Brother Jester, I didn't want to just knock them off and make it look good. I don't want it to come back. And if you're living according to your self-will, you may be able to take a swinging blade and knock it down and make it look good on the surface. You may be able to come on Sunday and Wednesday and lift your hands and worship, and you should because He's worthy. But you're just knocking stuff off the top if you keep going back to your self-will and you don't allow the Spirit of God to deal with the root of iniquity in your heart. And hear me, the love of God is reaching to you because if you don't allow him to dig into your heart and root out the iniquity, it will destroy you. I'm reaching for somebody this morning. Iniquity will curse you to hell. We cannot live according to our will and then expect to spend eternity with the king that we never let rule in our life. He said, Brother Hart, are you telling me I can't do what I want to do? No. I'm telling you, you can do whatever you want to do. But I'm telling you, there's consequences to doing whatever you want to do. Self-will. Iniquity. John the Beloved was writing in his, not in the Gospels, but in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And he makes this statement. He said, the spirit of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. What does it mean, only he who now letteth? In plain English, you know what he was saying? Only he who allows iniquity to rule and reign will it have any place. It's the reason why Jesus Christ said, unless you lose your life for my sake, you'll never find it. 
What is it? It's a spiritual wrestling that goes on to any child of God that seeks to mature and grow in their walk in relationship with God. And it's the wrestling between doing my will or doing his and doing my will sometime and his sometime and this vacillation that goes, I do my thing. Then I and then I run back to him and the Lord's gracious to forgive. He's merciful to forgive. And so he does. But don't mistake the mercy and grace of God for justification for my self-will. He may forgive me today. But if I don't get the root of iniquity out of my heart. He cannot save me. He's trying to save me from myself. That's why he purchased you and I. Iniquity. Self-will. Do my own thing. You know, it's interesting, this word self-will. It shows up another place in Scripture. The prophet Daniel uses it. Daniel chapter 11, verse number... Let's try verse number 3, Gabriel. Daniel 11 and 3, I think. Daniel 11 and verse number 3. Yeah. And a mighty king... Shall stand up. Watch what this mighty king's going to do. He shall rule with great dominion. And he'll do according to his will. Now that's not speaking of the will of God, by the way. And you can go search the book of Daniel and study this out and look. If you look at the chapters that come before and the verses that precede this and the verses that follow this and talking about the different rising of kings and different things, and this is stuff that has already taken place so we can go back through history and see who this was talking about. Of course, it hadn't happened in Daniel's time, but now we have the, we have the luxury of looking back through time and we know exactly who Daniel was talking about here. You can go through... Anybody ever heard of Alexander the Great? Yeah. That's who Daniel was prophesying about there. If you look at the timeline in Daniel chapter 11 and you see the verses that come after and the names that follow and the areas that are referenced, we can see that Daniel was prophesying of Alexander the Great here. and did A mighty king, did he rule with great dominion? He sure did. It is said of Alexander the Great that once he had conquered the world that he sat down and wept because there was nothing left to conquer. I don't know if that's true or not. But it didn't take long that he lost everything that he had won. And it was divided among four. And you can read that in Daniel. And it was exactly what was prophesied that would take place. How come his kingdom didn't last? I'll tell you why his kingdom didn't last. It was built on self-will. It was built according to his will. And hear me today. Anything you and I build according to our will, it will not last. I don't care how strong it looks. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how fortified it is. I don't care how beautiful and extravagant. I don't care how financially affluent. Anything that man builds in his self will not last. It will come down. But we have the promise of the word of God in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. That of the increase of his government and kingdom, there shall be, or his government and peace, there shall be no end. 
no end. He's establishing an everlasting kingdom. So you and I can choose to live according to our will. We can come to the house of God and call ourselves a saint of God and continue to do our thing. It won't last. Or we can submit ourselves to the will of God. You understand this wrestling between our will and the will of God is not, there's no one that's immune from it. It's what Jesus Christ wrestled with in the garden. He was battling the exact same thing. God was asking something of him that he could not do himself in his humanity. And so there in the garden we read in the gospels, we find Jesus crying out. The man Christ Jesus crying out. Have a father. If it's possible, he even makes this statement in one of the Gospels. He says, with you, all things are possible. He's appealing to the God that can do the impossible. And he's saying, with you, all things are possible. Let this cup pass from me. You're asking me to do something I don't want to do in my self-will. And you're able to do stuff that's impossible. So let this cup pass from me. But then he makes the statement that we all know very clearly. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Was that an easy prayer to pray? Oh, no. Was that a simple thing to happen in his life? No, it was with great agony, sweat as it were, drops of blood. Do you think you and I can just go, oh, okay, that's why it's, it should be easy for me. How come it's so hard for me to do His will rather than mine? Because it takes a wrestling in a closet of prayer. It takes a dogged determination in relationship with God. I'll not do what I want. I'll do what you want. God, whatever you've got to do in my life to get me in the place where I'm fulfilling your will and not mine, so be it. Would you even dare pray, God, whatever you've got to expose to save me, expose it. Whatever you've got to dig out to dig out, do it. Whatever you've got to do so I'm not living according to my own ideas and will, so I'm not given over to iniquity. Whatever you've got to do, God, do it so that I walk according to your will and I please you and I fulfill your purpose. Why is the Lord reaching to us in such a manner? Because of the hour in which we live and his desire to save us. But more importantly, and yes, I said more importantly, his desire to use us for his purpose. And you understand if I'm living according to my will, he's not using me according to his purpose. But the heart, I have plans. So does he. Whose are more important? But I've made a mistake of all of... Yeah, he took care of that. Under the blood, if you'll receive the work of the blood. But don't receive the work of the blood and the forgiveness of sin that he offers. And then get up and go back and live according to self-will. It's interesting in this passage of scripture here in Daniel 3. Or Daniel 11. This word shows up again. Talking about kings of this world. 
Verse 36, can you jump down there for me? We're not talking in the past now. This isn't historical. This is prophetic, still speaking of the future. Something happens. Is there no 36? Daniel 11 and 36? Oh, I'm sorry. I said three at first then. Daniel 11, 36. Putting him on the spot here this morning. And the king, oh, here's the king again. Another king. By the way, this isn't talking about the Lord either. Listen to what it says about the king. The king shall do according to his will. That's exactly what we just read in verse 3, isn't it? But it's talking about a different one. He shall do according to his will. And what's he going to do? Ah, he's going to exalt himself. I told you, even the songs today, we didn't, the Lord is trying to reach to us and talk to us. He shall exalt himself. Watch what else he's going to do. And he's going to magnify himself above every God. Look what else he's going to do. He's going to speak marvelous things against the God, capital G, of gods. And... Notice even, he'll prosper. Boy, if that isn't deception, I don't know what is, right? Well, I must be fine because I'm prospering. Right. Because the measure of the will of God is whether I prosper or not, not whether the kingdom of God prospers. And he'll prosper till the indignation be accomplished for that that is determined shall be done. Stay right there on that verse. Do you know who this verse is talking about? That's exactly right, Brother Lewis. This verse is talking about the Antichrist. The Antichrist. And the king, the Antichrist, shall do according to his will. Where we read in verse 3, Alexander the Great took dominion, did according to his will. Guess what? The word that spoke of Alexander the Great and the word that speaks of the Antichrist doing according to his will is the same Hebrew word that spoke of Simeon and Levi digging down a wall because they did according to self-will. You understand, when you and I Yield to iniquity and doing our own thing and doing our own will rather than yielding to the voice and the will of God. We are giving in to the very spirit that is the root of Antichrist. You say, Brother Hart, that's strong words. I didn't write it. The spirit of Antichrist is self-will. The Lord is trying to rescue us from ourselves to fulfill his purpose. And I promise you, us being yielded to him will accomplish more than anything we would accomplish in our self-will. We must die to our will. So his purpose can be fulfilled. It's interesting there where we read in Genesis 49 and verse 6. 
Maybe you can flip back there, Brother Gabriel. Where it says, of self-will, they dig down a wall. It's an interesting translation. I don't know why the translators of the King James use that. That's not what it says at all. If you look at it in the Amplified or you look at it, at it in the NIV or you look at it in the New King James, it doesn't say they dig down a wall. If you look at it in any of those translations or you look at it in the Hebrew, it says this. In their anger, they slew a man and in their self-will, they hamstrung an oxen. Anybody got the NIV on their phone or something like that? You'll see I'm not making that up. That's what it says. It says they hamstrung an oxen. What in the world? This is why we got to dig into the word. The words that Jacob used there. Speak of exactly what does it mean to hamstring an oxen? Well, there was this thing that in battle that would take place. And in battle, of course, the enemy that was the victor would take the spoils and take the spoils back with them. But if there were horses or oxen or animals that they could not take back with them, then the enemy would do something. They would come and they would cut a place in the horse or oxen or bull's legs that would call hamstringing it so it could no longer carry a man. It could no longer do work. It could no longer fulfill its purpose even though it remained where it was. Jacob said in your self-will, you cut the very thing that gave the ability to work and fulfill purpose. And you know what the Lord is saying to us today? When I live according to my will and I walk in iniquity, I may come and sit on a pew and call myself a saint of God. But I'm having no effectiveness accomplishing the work that I was designed to accomplish because I've had hamstrung by the enemy and unable to do the work I'm supposed to do because I'm living according to my self-will. That's what iniquity does. Have you ever found yourself saying this? Lord, what do you want me to do? What's my purpose? What are you calling me to? And you're not finding an answer? I'm afraid the reason may be because you're still living according to self-will rather than the will of God. And as long as you and I are living in self-will, we are hamstrung and cannot do the work we were intended to do. It's one of the enemy's greatest deceptions. I can't take them with me. I can't get them to leave the church. Since I can't get them to leave the church, they keep coming every Sunday and Wednesday. If there's a special event, they're showing up. They're, they're coming. They're still there. So what will I do? The enemy says, I can't take them out. And so I'll find a way to hamstring them so they can no longer do the work 
that God intends for them. And they're ineffective in the kingdom where they are. And the enemy the tool uses is self-will. Iniquity. Iniquity. Hear me. The love of God is reaching for you and I. Because he wants to involve us fully in his kingdom. And he's not reaching today to beat us up. He's reaching to rescue us from ourselves in love. Before it's too late. This story is not my story. It's someone else's. And it's a very credible source. They were playing a game, softball. And they tore the tendon where it attached on the back of their leg while they were running between bases. They were able to get to the last base where they were running But that was it. They had to be carried off the field. They went to the doctor. Doctor did tests, looked, saw it, showed them what happened, said, yep, see that right there? See that gap in there? That gap's not supposed to be there. The separation that's there where it's supposed to be attached. That's why you can't run anymore. It's not attached. That's why you're moving like this. Because what's supposed to be connected is not connected. That's the word, hamstrung. You ever see somebody running and you say they pull a hamstring and they... Well, this individual telling the story, that's severed. So there was a gap there. So they asked the doctor, well, doctor, what are we, how, how are we going to fix that? Is this going to be a surgery or what are we going to do? We've got to go in there and reattach it. I said, no, 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 we don't do surgery on that. We don't do surgery. No surgery. How's it reattach? Well, it's an amazing thing, the body. What happens right there is blood will start flowing to that area. And there will be more and more blood there. And somehow the blood working there where it's not attached, the blood will begin to fill that gap. And over time... From the blood flow that's there. And he said, we don't understand it. But from the blood flow, the blood will cause the tendon to reattach itself. I hear that story. I can't help but think of Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for what? Our iniquities. Our choosing of our own will. Would you stand with me today? This is not the kind of message that one enjoys. 
teaching. But it is a message that is burdened in my heart where the Lord is saying, you got a choice. You got a choice. You're going to keep living after your will, iniquity. Or are you going to allow me to let the blood once more come? And you're going to purpose to stop living after your will and start living according to mine. Say, how do I know what his will is? You start every day the same way. I die to myself today, Lord. Let me live unto you. Don't let me walk and live according to my will today. Let me walk and live according to you. Don't let me make my own choices, God. Let your spirit keep me in check so that you're making choices in my life. You say, am I becoming a robot? No, you're becoming a son or a daughter of God, being led by the Spirit of God, no longer living after your own will, but living after His Spirit. Why do you think He filled us with the Holy Ghost in the first place? So that we'd start living according to His will, not our own. Come on, I want to open this altar to you today. I know God is reaching to your heart. Don't wait on somebody else. Would you come lay your will down at the altar today? Come on, lay it down. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. The word was clear. His spirit will not always strive with man. I have a dear, dear friend. He was mightily used of God, but he started living according to his own will, started living according to his self-will. God would reach to him and he'd respond and then go back to his own will. And God would reach to him and he'd respond, but then he'd go back to his own will. He was in his early 40s. Precious man. Picture of health. God would use him, pull him back, but then he'd return to his own will and God would reach and pull and reach, but he'd return to his own will. One night, in a moment, unexpected, living to his own will, and in the middle of living to his own will, a heart attack came and took his life. I never forget getting the phone call, Brother Jester. It was just after midnight, the family called me. I said, Brother Hart, can you come please, quick? They called his name, said he just had a heart attack. Please come. I got to the hospital. It didn't matter. He was already gone from this life. I heard the circumstances of sin that he was in the middle of when his life got taken. I remember his sister looking me in the eye and asking this question. Do you think it's possible that when he felt the heart attack, he asked God to forgive him one last time? They were reaching beyond self-will, but he'd given himself over to his own will and desire so many times trying to time out when God would come and expect his life of him. Hear me today, dear sir, dear ma'am. Please hear me. It's not worth it, the price of iniquity. 
The love of God is greater and he's beckoning you. You can walk according to his will. You can live in victory according to his will. He has a design and purpose for you. He has design and purpose for you. You're not here by mistake. You're not here by coincidence. He's reaching to you. He loves you. You've not made so many mistakes. He can't rescue you. The blood is able to restore the relationship rightly. The blood is able. Come on. He's greater than your past. He's greater than your past. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Let his love wash over you. Let his word get into your spirit. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Father, I've made a mistake. I've lived after my own will. But by your grace, no longer. By your grace, no longer. Rescue me from myself. Oh, wretched man that I am, Paul said. Who will deliver me? Oh, God is able. God is able. Take a break from all the plans that you have made And sit at home alone and wait for God to whisper and Beg him please to open up his mouth and speak And pray for real upon your knees until they blister Shine the light on every corner of your life Until the pride and lust and lies are in the open Then read the word and put to test the things you've heard Until your heart and soul are stirred And rocked and broken Cause you can sing all you want to yes you can can sing all you want to and we can can sing all we want to still get it wrong oh worship is more than a song in the name Jesus, not my will, but yours, Lord, not my will, but yours, Lord, not my will, but yours, Lord, come on, let him dig deep in your spirit where he chooses, let him reveal every area of my life, oh God, where I've lived according to my own way. Make me aware in the course of my day with every choice I make. Let me not give to my own will. Break the pattern, break the cycle by your grace and by your blood. In the name of Jesus. 
in the name of Jesus. There was only one way for an end to self-will. It was the cross. It's the cross. There's no easy way around it. That's why in this day of religiosity, many would not preach the cross. Some idea that we could live however we want. Still call heaven home. I'm sorry, I don't find that in the Word of God. I have to live according to His will, not my own. find an interesting scripture in the book of Acts it's in the first chapter it says I'll just read it the disciples were talking and they were having to work out a situation here because of course Judas was no longer there and they were looking for one to take his place. Acts 1 and 17 says, he, speaking of Judas, he was numbered with us. Notice that. Oh, thank you. He was numbered with us. He was with us, they were saying. He was chosen by God just like we were. He was numbered with us. He sat with us at the Sea of Galilee. He, he was there with us. Not only was he with us, notice what else they said. He obtained part of this ministry. He wasn't an outsider. He was with us. He obtained part of this ministry. Watch verse 18 though. Now this man. He purchased a field. You see what he purchased the field with? It was the reward of iniquity. Iniquity does have a reward. Judas, you are numbered with us took part of the ministry but because you kept giving in to self-will because you kept giving in to self-will because you kept giving in to self-will the Holy Ghost is reaching to you whoever you are today He's reaching to you He loves you He cares for you He has plans for your life He's not rejecting you and kicking you to the curb. He's not condemning you. That's not what He's doing at all today. He's reaching and telling you, come on, it's time to be done with your will. There's a way. There's a way. It's better than your way. It's His way. Would you lift your heart and hands to Him one more time? Come on, reach to Him with me. Let Him reach to you. Reach to Him with me.
You say, I've made so many mistakes. I'm not worthy. I understand, but his blood is able to cover it all. He can break. He can break the bands of self-will if I'll yield to him. Say, here I am. Let your purpose be fulfilled in my life. Let your will be wrought in me. Let your will be done with me. Let your design and desire be printed upon my life. You're not too old. You're not too young. You're none of those. If you're here and you've got breath in your body, he's able and he's wanting to. In the name of Jesus, your purpose through this people, your desire and design upon the hearts of these individuals, let us live and walk according to your will that you would be glorified, that you would be magnified, that your name would be lifted high. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Self-will always leads to condemnation. His will leads to victory, peace, joy, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. I want to walk in His will, don't you? Daily. Purpose daily. Purpose daily. In Jesus' name. May God bless you and lead you today. Greet someone. You are dismissed in the name of Jesus.